Thanks, LV. Plaid, dude. Bold choice on that plaid. <clears throat> Isn't that a cool story? Uh, Debbie, you probably know her. She goes here. We all love her. And uh, I think that Debbie embodies this fact that we can all be involved in this stepping campaign, and we can all be involved in a different way. That she has a unique way that she likes to be involved, and it doesn't look, it's not a blanket thing. We have individual ways that God can call us to kind of be involved in this move that we're making in the next building. So I love that story. Um, if we haven't met, my name's Graham Cowgill. I'm the student ministries pastor here. Good morning. Uh, as always, it's an honor to be speaking here. I've had a pretty interesting past week. My family is in town, and nothing like family in town, right? That wasn't supposed to be sarcastic. It sounded sarcastic. My family's down here. I love you guys. Okay, don't, don't hate me for that. Uh, but it has been interesting, and we've got a whole house full. My mom's here. My brother's here. His wife is here. Their daughter's here, and then I've got my wife and our 48 kids, so... Our house is just packed right now, and it's great. I love time with family. My brother, who's two and a half years younger than I am, uh, I don't get to see him very often, so it's just good to spend time with him and, and catch up. I am reminded, however, whenever my brother comes in town, um, how difficult it was at times to grow up with him. Um, not because he's a stooge. Uh, it's actually the exact opposite. My brother's like top five best things to happen to humanity ever. He's like the, the best man ever, top 10% of his graduating class, captain of all the sports teams, incredibly musical, like dangerously good looking. That's my brother, just in every aspect, he's, he's a great guy. And so for me, I was just always tall. He can't even let me have that, he's 6'11". And I was talking to Kristen the other day, and I was like, I, I find myself still doing things and saying things to try to impress my younger brother. Like, that's not a good thing at all. Nothing says security like needing to impress your younger brother, right? <laughs> Rob will call me. He'll be like, hey, did you forward me this performance review by Caleb? I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah, total accident, dude. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to. Uh... Did you get a chance to look at it, by the way? Some pretty good, pretty good stuff in there, so I hope you like me. Okay. Uh, this week we are continuing on in this series as we go through the book of James, and I say that because James is the half-brother of Jesus. James grew up the brother of Jesus, if you can imagine that life. And uh, James gives us, it's an awesome book, he gives us incredible insight that nobody else in the history of the world could give. Right? Nobody else could give us the perspective that James gives us. And the insight that James gives us isn't even necessarily on the life of Jesus, the insight that James gives us is the practicality, how to live out uh, this good news that Jesus talked about when he was here on earth. Um, the, what we're going to go over today, the verses that we're going to look at, compound, they kind of build off of what we talked about last week. So I wanted to do just for a second a little recap of what we talked about last week. Here's what we read last week. Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. All right, so here's what that looks like. We've got the world's biggest easel, fully extended. If you've been alive 
longer than five years, you know that life looks like this, right? We are living in an imperfect world. We are imperfect people. And these are the situations, these are the circumstances that exist in our life. Our life is full of ups and downs, of peaks and valleys, right? And not to trivialize the peaks and valleys, because I recognize that for some of us, and even in this last year, we've had times that are good, that words don't even begin to describe uh, the goodness that God has shown you this past year. Some of us in our lives, maybe even recently in this past year, have experienced uh, these moments, and words can't even begin to touch uh, those moments. And the reason I wanted to draw this up here is because I think this is what this verse says. The verse says this, we have a tendency as people to think that these are the goals of life. That's what life is supposed to look like. That, that's when life is going the right way. And when life looks anything like these moments, we think to ourselves, something's going wrong. Something's off. I've missed something here. I'm doing something wrong. Something's not what is intended. And actually, what this verse is saying is that it's in these moments, the tough moments of our life, that we learn the most. It's in those moments that we grow the most. It's in those moments that God reveals his character the most to us. I want you to think back to to that first time in your life that you would consider a valley, you would consider a low point in your life. I don't know when that was, maybe it's early childhood, maybe it's high school or, I don't know, college age, whatever. What's the first time you can remember thinking to yourself in a situation, I don't know if I'm getting out of this. I, I don't know if I can recover from this. Can you remember a time like that when you just thought, like, is this, is this it for the life that I thought I was going to live? Like, is my life even salvageable? at that moment. And at that moment, what happens is that God proves that he is faithful. God proves his love. He proves his character. And he takes us from this place that we don't think that we can survive. We don't think that we can go on. And all of a sudden, we have a new perspective on the character and the mercy and the grace of our Father. He takes us to this place right here, and maybe the next season is a season of rest where we can look back on this time and say, recognize that our God is a good father who loves, who says in that moment, I will never leave you. I'm never going to turn my back on you. I'm never going to forget you. I'm going to walk alongside you every step of the way, and I'm going to continually breathe encouragement and life into you. Life happens. This world is not perfect, and so when it hits the next peak or the next valley in our lives, what happens is that maybe we're not fully convinced, but at least we have one other experience, one other time in our life where God has proven himself faithful, where he has shown up and we recognize God's goodness. And so maybe not completely, but more than the first time, we say, God has done it before I trust maybe a little bit more that he'll do it again. And we lean into God's character. And God reveals his goodness again to us. Fast forward, 18 valleys down the road. And all of a sudden, God has a track record of 17 different times showing you what a good, gracious father he is. 
And what that does, this verse says, is it strengthens our resolve. It strengthens our trust in God because he continually shows off in our life. He doesn't leave us. He loves us through those moments. And as life goes on, we are able to build this persistence, this endurance, this faith in God's character as he continues to reveal it in different ways. Uh, This week's verses are this. Starting in verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Rebuke means like reprimand. He will not reprimand you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. A lot in that verse. Um, There's a word that I wanted to highlight this week that I really wanted to, uh, for us to get a handle on, and the word is wisdom. Wisdom is like a theme verse throughout the book of James. James continually talks about wisdom. So the goal for today is for us to get a handle on what, is, or what are we talking about when we say wisdom? What, what all is encompassed in this word wisdom? So that when we read that, as we go through James, we have an idea of what James is referring to. It's important for us to know and get a handle on wisdom. It's also, we want to define wisdom because in this context, the verse says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Sometimes we pray for something, we can ask for something, but if we don't know what we're looking for, we miss it when God gives it, right? I know I had people in college who wouldn't study for their finals. Then right before they went into their exams, they'd pray for wisdom, (laughs) And then they come out and be like, I failed the test. That prayer doesn't work. And I was like, no. Only person on earth who can pass a test without studying is my brother, apparently. Okay. <laughs> All right, so on your outline, um, we have a definition here that I found that I really like. Talking about God's wisdom. What, is it, what does it look like for us to tap into God's wisdom? God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. Here's what that looks like on our chart here. God does not desire pain for his children. God does not want pain for us, right? I've got a beautiful three-and-a-half-year-old and two beautiful twins. I would never want pain for my children, right? But we live in a broken world where horrible things happen. And here's God's promise. God's promise is that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. That when things happen that are rough, in that moment, whether it's a decision that we've made, whether it's a decision somebody else has made that's put us there, whether it's just random circumstance, whatever, in those moments, God is moving. God is orchestrating opportunity to showcase his goodness through us in that moment. Think about that. Think about, think about the opportunity you have in your lowest moments to showcase God's goodness. Low, the low moments are not the sexy moments of our lives. Right? I'm sure we've had low moments that are isolation, that are 
rehab, that are divorce, that are those moments when you've lost the sense of who you are. And God's promise here is that this wisdom says we have the opportunity, not just here, not just here, but everywhere in between, every moment of life, we have an opportunity to align ourselves with God's plan to showcase his goodness to this earth. Every moment. Um, on your outline, I wrote that perspective births wisdom. Perspective births wisdom. Um, yeah. Why do we care about wisdom? We care about wisdom. We, we desire eternal perspective. We want, we want God to align with God's plan because we don't necessarily learn from these moments just going through life. You don't automatically learn. There is a choosing component, a choosing to align with God's will. God has a plan for you. God has designed a purpose and a path for you, and it's our decision of whether we want to seek that out, whether we want to ask God for his wisdom, whether we want to seek God's goals or our own goals. And perspective, eternal, the correct perspective, knows this, knows that the lowest of lows doesn't discount you from wisdom. The highest moments don't qualify you for wisdom. Right? Perspective knows that everything is connected. I'm just betting. Think about the person that you know that, it, that you would consider wise. Think just for a second. Who would you consider a wise person that you've known through your life? I'm betting that that person had a very good and probably eternal perspective on life that they were able to, in some sense, pull, pull themselves away from the individual circumstances and see life uh, as connected, as a whole, recognizing the importance of every day, of every moment. People who are wise know that, that life is not meant to be lived flippantly. Right? If everything is connected, there's an importance of every conversation, there's an importance of, of every interaction. That's why their advice bears so much weight. It's because they realize that everything works together. Today, as we look at the word wisdom, as we try to get this handle on it, uh, we're going to look at four dashboard items uh, for wisdom. We've talked about dashboard items before. The idea is this. If you've ever poked your head in the cockpit of a plane and just been incredibly overwhelmed, you see all the dials, all the buttons, all the gauges, all the indicators in there. A pilot who's flying a plane is not constantly looking around like a weirdo, right? There's only probably about three or four gauges that the pilot is looking at at all times. And if those are in the green, he knows at least we're moving in the right direction. So we're going to go over four dashboard items, four areas, four components of wisdom that now God says we can always grow. We can always grow in these but if these are in the green, if we are focusing on these areas of our life, we are at least moving in the right direction. Now, the, the person who wrote about these four components that we're going to learn from today, his name is Solomon. Uh, Solomon, he was a king, King Solomon, good king, and um, God actually declares that Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. The wisest man to have ever lived. Solomon wrote the majority of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, you ever heard that? 
And uh, Solomon also wrote a book called the Book of or the Song of Solomon. And the Song of Solomon, the entire book is like a love poem to a woman, which is pretty sweet. Uh, actually, it says in chapter four, verse five, of the Song of Solomon, he writes, um, "Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies." Has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I just want to let you know Solomon's pretty awesome. Like, who else could get away with writing that? So maybe we should listen to this guy, right? Way to go, Solomon. All right, so we're going to fill out these blanks on our outline. Um, I left them blank because everybody likes filling in things. It makes you feel accomplished. So our first blank is this. First component of wisdom, first little dashboard item is awe, A-W-E, awe. Proverbs 9.10, it says this, Solomon writes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fear in this context is not talking about being afraid. It's not talking about being scared to death, right? Fear is talking about a reverence, about a respect, about an awe. I was trying to think of an example of this. The best example I could think of is uh, like big wave surfers. I I would say that big wave surfers have a fear of the ocean, right? That they respect the power and the beauty of the ocean. Um, They know it's not to be taken lightly. They know if they're out there that they better be focusing on what's going on. That better be at the forefront of their mind. And I think the fear of God is the exact same. Um, If the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom means to align ourselves with God's plan to showcase his goodness, then we have to have, in some capacity, a reverence for the importance of God's plan in our life. It can't just be, eh, no big deal, do it or don't do it, no worries, right? Not, Not that big of a deal. We have to recognize that our God It says in Scripture, is the star-breathing God, that he's a powerful and awesome God. And we have the opportunity to lean into a plan, a specific plan, a specific purpose for us in life. And if we realize that everything is connected and there is importance in every single day, we have to begin to have a respect, a reverence for the importance of God's plan in our life. The second word, second dashboard item is humility. Humility. I was asking the staff this week uh, about the wisest people that they've ever met and why. And Jairus, our worship pastor, was talking about a guy who used to mentor him when he was younger. Said he was one of the wisest people he's ever met. And I said, cool, what was wise about him? And he says, the guy always asked me questions. He always asked me questions. I always wanted him to give me a straight-out answer, and he always just asked me questions. I was like, that's wise? And then I realized when he said that, that for me, what creeps up a lot of times, the pride that creeps up, which I want to call wisdom, by the way, is I want to be the answer. I want to have the answer to everything. I I want people to come to me. Humility, seeking out God's plan, seeking out God's wisdom is for us to recognize that we are not God. That God has a very good plan for us if we seek that out. And it is our opportunity to guide people to God. 
not to ourselves. It feels good, doesn't it, to be the answer? I've got a three-year-old. It feels good to be the one that my three-year-old comes to for answers. It feels good when junior hires come to me and have questions and I can give an eloquent answer. But I've got to believe that the wisest things I can do in life, the wisest decisions that I can make, are for me to guide my son to align himself with God, not to align himself with me. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. With recognizing that we have a part to play, but we are not the answer. We are able to guide other people to see the story that God is writing in their lives, the opportunity that they have to play a part in what God is doing. Third word that we're going to fill in here is trust. Trust. The less we trust God, the more we trust ourselves, right? And it's very hard for us to align ourselves with what God is doing if we are trusting ourselves over God's plan for us. If I'm going to be honest, the way that I've seen this played out the most recently uh, is through Caleb. Caleb, I believe, is a very wise person. And the way I've seen it played out is that this whole process of moving into this new building has been insane, if I was going to tell you all the hiccups that have happened with us moving in this new building, you wouldn't believe it. But Caleb has been leading this charge. He has stayed the course, trusting in what God has said. And I realize that when you trust what God says, when your wisdom is to align yourself, you're not only aligning yourself, but you're drawing people around you to want to know what his will is for their life. You're saying, this is what God is doing I see God moving. Let me make it available for people around me to hop on board. And by staying the course, by trusting that God is who he says he is, he has brought our entire team together in this journey of trusting and learning that God is faithful, of seeing his character. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Wisdom is not something that we can attain. Wisdom is not knowledge that we get, that we arrive at. I want wisdom, good, I feel smart, I've learned a bunch. Now I can go, no, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is not leaning on your own understanding, it's seeking his will in all you do. Recognizing that he has a will along every step of your journey. And he will show you which path to take. Last word that we're gonna look at today as we round out these dashboard items, is a word that you probably wouldn't attribute normally to wisdom. You wouldn't think about this word having to do with wisdom. Um, and it's love. Love. I think it's the most important component of wisdom. And you, you wouldn't think of love as pertaining to wisdom. I want to read this. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4 says this. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years. Your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Another translation says, never let faithfulness and love leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good rep reputation. As a husband... As a father, as a pastor, 
I can guarantee you that the wisest moments in my life, the wisest things I've ever said, the wisest things I've ever done, are when I am overcome with love for the people that I'm speaking to. When I'm talking to Kristen, my wife, and I'm able to get my garbage, able to get my pride out of the way, and I can see her for the miracle that she is, I'm able to say things that align with God's view of my wife. When a student comes to me heartbroken, with tears in their eyes, and I'm overcome with love for that person, I'm able to respond in the wisest way possible, which usually isn't saying anything. Just giving a hug. It's just being there. If we are overcome with love, we begin to see with God's eyes. We begin to think with God's mind. Nothing could be more in sync with the wavelength of God than being overcome with love for other people. It's what has dictated everything that God has done from the beginning of time, is love for other people. If we're going to embody God's goodness, if we're going to seek out what his will is for our life, we have to align ourselves with how God feels about other people. What could be wiser? What could be a better motive to want to speak into somebody's life? Now, those are the components that we're going to say for wisdom, the four dashboard items. But the end of our verse for today that we talked about, our verses said this, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Though our circumstances look like this, we live in a broken world, guys. We live in an imperfect world. And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly not perfect. Our circumstances through the rest of our life are unpredictable and we'll have peaks and valleys. But God says this, we have the opportunity despite our circumstances for our faith, for our trust, for our peace, for the way that we live to look like this. As God continues to prove his faithfulness in the inevitable lows of our life, we begin to trust more and more in the character of God. And as we trust more and more in the character of God, we begin to be people who are no longer affected by the circumstances in our lives. We become people who trust that God is who he says he is. We embody the goodness and peace and kindness of God, not just in our lives, but to the people around us. And we have the opportunity, despite a rocky life, to be the stability and the consistency needed in a very inconsistent world. This morning, I wanted to give us an opportunity just to reflect for a little bit. We don't get that opportunity very often. I know I don't with my three kids. Um, So I want to just have some time of of quiet for God to maybe speak to you inside of this moment. Um, Look back over, pull out those, those outlines. Look back over 
these four components that make up wisdom. Maybe ask God just to kind of highlight one or two of these that he's asking you to grow in. Recognize that this is not a time of guilt or shame. This is not when God says, get better in this or else. This is a time of excitement. This is a time of opportunity. Because when God highlights something in our life that we can grow in, it's an opportunity for us to grow more intimately with him. It's just an opportunity for us to get ourselves out of the way, to get the garbage out of the way. The thing that's been blocking us with our relationship with God, God says, grow in this and we can grow closer together. Maybe he's highlighting something here this morning that says, man, if you will just focus on this item, our relationship can be closer. You will see more clearly the story that I'm writing in your life, whether it's awe, humility, trust, or love. As these guys play, just maybe take a little bit of time and just think to yourself, what is God saying? What is God saying to me right now? Now I know that that up and down, the peaks and valleys, that, that line is, is trivial and that life is good and life hurts much more than that graph will ever indicate. I want you to think about what are you going through right now? What does life look like for you right now? What are those real life peaks and valleys that are happening right now? Where are you on that journey? Where are you? The beginning of the verse, God says, ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. Ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. Inside of your life right now, no matter what situation you're in, God wants to use you. God wants to walk with you. God wants to breathe life and encouragement into you and to use you to showcase his goodness to the people around you. Take just a minute right now, whatever situation you're in, ask God for wisdom in that. We're going to have a time of response right now as the band plays and for me personally the reason I love to respond by singing is I believe that this response song at the end takes this message that may be in our heads and it moves it to our hearts if there's anything that we've learned about wisdom it's not about knowledge it's not about knowing the right things it's about pursuit it's about asking for and chasing after the life that God has designed for you That's what stability comes from. So we have an opportunity even now to respond, not with the head knowledge, but with our hearts and to say, God, in some capacity, I want this to be deeper. I want my peace and my trust of your faithfulness to be deeper. So would you stand with me as we have this opportunity to respond to God?